Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. You're listening to another episode of Family Business Radio. I'm your host, Anthony Chen. Today, we have an esteemed guest with us, Lauren Marlow with Speechworks. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Great. So kind of share with us uh, your story as to what got you into the company Speechworks and and your journey. Wow. Where do I start? Well, we Um, can start right from the beginning. (laughs) So, um, you know, my background is actually in in the legal field. I've been, I was a practicing attorney for 15 years Mm -hmm. and I focused on corporate and tax transactional work. So I spent quite a lot of time behind a computer and, um, writing a lot. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, more than that, um, I spent a lot of time with with my clients, right? And um, trying to communicate with them about uh, the, the complexities of the, of the legal world and how these things, you know, various legal aspects apply to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, over time, it became very clear to me that, you know, Part of being a very important part of being a lawyer is being a storyteller. We tell stories about our clients' cases. We tell stories to our clients through the forms of, um, you know, examples and hypotheticals and and other ways to help our clients really try to understand you know really complicated topics and to boil it down into digestible bits for people who are not comfortable and familiar with legalese mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, it was a it was a really wonderful career. I had a, a you know fifteen years of business experience um, with lots of exposure to different kinds of businesses and and boards and C suite folks and people in leadership and you know all sorts of questions relating to employment and how to deal with with employees and problems and business disputes and you know any 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 kind of question you can think of as it comes to running and operating a business. Um, buying and selling businesses, you know, they, you name it, I, I, I did it. And, um, actually Speechworks was a client of mine mm-hmm. and I knew the, the owners, um, very well and I loved their business and I, I loved the, the people that I got to work with. They were, you know, it's a, it's a very unique company. And then, you know, I'm sure you have lots of people come on and say, we have a very family-like, uh, you know, culture. Mm-hmm. At Speechworks, we really do. Uh, many of our coaches have been with the company for you know anywhere from ten to twenty-five years, and uh, and they and we they really do care about each other and spend time with each other and talk with each other and encourage each other as if it really is like a family. So it's a, it's a really interesting culture. And when the opportunity came to um, take the leap, so to speak. And become an actual owner, I, I, I couldn't resist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was um, it was a combination of of things. You know, this uh, this opportunity really came up uh, during you know during towards the end of the 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 COVID you know couple years that we've all kind of been on on pause. And although I was incredibly lucky to be as busy as I've ever been doing corporate work, um, all of the rest of the aspects of being a lawyer kind of evaporated. So there weren't any, you know, networking went away. Uh, Social lunches with clients kind of went away. Uh, You know, all of of the the social aspects of the job just went away Mm -hmm. for a little while. And I started to notice that I was spending – day in and day out, working the same hours, if not longer hours, as lawyers work. So, you know, that's anywhere from 12 to 16-hour days on average. Uh, Not to be discouraging to any aspiring lawyers out there, but it is true. And uh, sitting in my desk, and and, uh, it was just really lonely. It started to get lonely. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to spend... I, you know, the opportunity to get back out there and really start to work with people again came, came up and, 
and I, I, I love it. I love a challenge and a new opportunity. So I took it. Talk about a really tough uh, skill set one needs to master in terms of kind of kind of funny with speech works is being able to, as they say, craft a story for the clients to understand. It's already hard enough to get them to understand legalese. Then you can add a tax code on top of that. That's like a double whammy. It is. It is. It, it can be very difficult to explain. You know, one of the, I don't want to get too bogged down in, in, uh, in stories that aren't particularly interested to, interesting to lots of people. But one, one with that I would have all the time would be, uh, you know, I'd have clients that would want to do em- employee equity plans, mm-hmm. you know, equity incentive. You know, I want to give them ownership and, and, um, and really um, incentivize my employees with, with equity, which on, you know, depending on the kind of company you have, that might be a great idea, mm-hmm. but depending on the, the, well, I should say, depending on the tax status of your company, that could be a really great idea. Uh, if your tax is a partnership, it's a very complicated idea. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it is not apples and oranges. Um, and you end up signing yourself up and your employees up for a, a lot of unexpected and undesirable consequences when you head down the equity incentive realm if you're a tax partnership. So yeah, that's one example of, of a, a story that I would have to really... Uh, really massage down to the the three highlighted points, the you know three very very focused listener center points to to get my clients to come on board with me mm-hmm. to understand that what we really what you're trying to offer here is really nice, but you're not going to get the results you're you're ask you're after. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that was something that I had to do pretty often as an attorney, and so as a trans transferring to being a communications coach it's it's been um it's 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 been a very easily accessible transferable skill that i have i'm very fortunate to have mm-hmm. so before even going to speech works i mean had you had intentions uh in the past where you wanted to go out on your own and perhaps go beyond legal or, or maybe having some kind of business of your own well so i've i've done that actually so yeah. i've uh in my 15 years, I started at a large firm, started at a large international big firm, and then I, I went in-house for several years. I worked for a convenience retail and fuel company in-house. Um, that was around the 2008-2009 period of time when things weren't so so great in the economy here, so I actually decided to move back to Atlanta. And um, I had a little trouble finding a job at the moment. So at that time, I had actually I had a bunch of job applications out, and uh, I had hung my own shingle at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, right around the time that I had finally gotten a job offer back then, I had three of my own clients and I had a choice to make. Mm-hmm. Do I want to go and join a big firm again? Or do I want to take these three clients and see what I can do with it? Mm-hmm. And I, I chose to, to bet on myself. So I kept my three clients and I started out my own. I started on my own. This was what, in two thousand. 2011, yeah, around 2011, mm-hmm. and uh, within, I don't know, eight months or so, I I joined in a partnership with, with two other attorneys that I had a great relationship with, and we had complementary practices, and we grew into um, a very nice-sized partnership. We were together for about seven years, um, and, we, and we did great. Uh, what ended up happening was uh, I started to really want to do more sophisticated legal work um, with larger companies and and to do more m and a related work and I was hitting a ceiling uh, in the small firm environment so mm-hmm. that's when i i I pursued seeking seeking uh, an, a a different legal position at a larger firm again mm-hmm. And then from there, coming into SpeechWorks, you mentioned you, this kind of opportunity. They were you were already working with them as they were your client. They were. Uh, what was I get? Was it one major event, or was it a series of events that kind of built up over time? Because you alluded a little bit about kind of feeling lonely during, I guess, the whole COVID situation and losing all of that social aspect. Was that the one major thing, or was it just kind of the cherry on top, or just added on more and more? Well, of course, there's several factors. Um, 
you know, I, I am, I am very grateful for my time as an attorney. I, 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 the experience that I got doing that was truly invaluable and I would not be where I am here today without, without having had it. Um, but law is a, candidly a very difficult profession. It's a very demanding profession. Um, there's a, a lot of buzz in the industry about a work-life balance mm-hmm. and being able to, uh, there's a trend in talking about uh, prioritizing. Um, and of course, of course, um, you know, family and health and things like this are supposed to come first. But in, in reality, if, if, I mean, everyone I'm sure may or may not have <laughs> their own opinion about it, but in, but in my humble opinion, I, I don't know that I think that's, that exists. You know, the law is, um, it demands to be number one. Mm-hmm. And so you can very easily find yourself in a position where, uh, although in your, in your heart and in your mind, you, you want to prioritize your family and yourself and your health, uh, first it just it it's an impossibility if you're going to perform in in the way that a good lawyer shows up mm-hmm. so there's there's a conflict and the conflict is um you know do do i show up do i show up as a as the best lawyer i can be or do i honor my priorities mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that conflict is, um, I think if, I think if many lawyers were honest with themselves, they would, they would acknowledge that that's, that's something that many of us have dealt with over the years. So I was, I was dealing with that candidly. I have a three-year-old and, uh, you know, having, I was having moments where even after 15 hours of sitting at my desk, I was not finished with my to-do list, Mm -hmm. um, and so I had choices, right? I can stay longer and keep working, but then I'm missing. I'm missing dinner. I'm missing bath. I'm missing bedtime. I'm missing her life. Mm-hmm. And so I feel guilty about that. Or I can go inside and I can participate in dinner and bath and bed. And then I don't get all my work done and I feel guilty about that. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, was a, there was a moment where I was starting to really just feel... Like I couldn't win. Yeah, it's just guilty, feeling guilty all the time about not being, not just not enough hours in the day to show up mm-hmm. in the way that I want to show up in the world and to be present for the things that I commit to. Yeah. It almost feels like it, it, you're put in a, in a no-win situation. And, and for the listeners who are kind of the nerds and geeks out there, you're it's like a Kobayashi Maru from, from Star Trek. It doesn't matter what decision you, you're losing now. In some way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that does, that does ring somewhat true. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, this opportunity of SpeechWorks came along and you emphasized that it's a genuine family-oriented or family-cultured environment. Can you kind of share with us maybe a story or two as to some of the experiences you may have observed when you you were working with them as your client that kind of jumped out at you? Sure. Actually, I'd love to talk a little bit about the the origin story, if I could. So so SpeechWorks itself was started in the the mid-'80s by... um, by Spring, Asher, and Wiki. I should. Oh, I'm blanking. Um, but Spring and Wiki, Spring and Wiki were both, uh, you know, broadcast in, in broadcasting, mm-hmm. um, and they um, they saw a need in um, people who were showing up on broadcast, you know, for broadcast journalism, for, for interviewing that they needed, they needed assistance in learning how to better prepare and deliver in interviews. Mm-hmm. And so they started, they each had kids of their own. These were two women, best friends, and they started their own broadcast journalism training company. And that very quickly uh, evolved into corporate training because the, the communication skills that were needed for showing up to deliver and present well in broadcast are very translatable to you know, almost you know, any communications-based context that you can think of. You know, you're, you're making a presentation to the board. You're trying to, run, you're, you're trying to lead your team. Um, you know, and, these, and these skills, this, this ability to communicate effectively and, and clearly um, 
just became it was it was obvious it became obvious to them as entrepreneurs and um you know they they were they were leaders you know, well known in the industry back then um and so it it grew from there so spring and wiki ran the company i want to say until the mid 90s early late 90s mm-hmm. and at which point um spring son joey joey asher i think everyone knows joey asher around town uh he he bought the company from his mother and it was a and he ran the company for another 20 22 23 years mm-hmm. and so it's it's really been a family business um they the ashers uh it's still called speechwork slash asher communications and and we're never going to change that you know the ashers have uh, created something, their family created something special. And um, you know, having been there, having been their attorney for, for 10 years, and Jason, my business partner, was a, a business consultant of theirs for, for five, mm-hmm. four or five years. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're very familiar with sort of the, what, what, is, what is so unique and special about this company, and, and, and we don't want to change any of that. Mm-hmm. So you kind of mentioned in terms of what you were looking for, having that chambers, gym. wiki chambers. <laughs> Great, just came right back. So, so getting to the, the the question regarding to finding that genuine work life balance and not having to feel guilty choosing either path. Did you find that unicorn position that where you're at now was speech? Did you find the answer as to being able to navigate that conflict? Ah, it, it does seem so. Yeah. It does seem so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the work, you know, I, I don't at all want to sound like I'm being disparaging to the legal field because there, there is a lot of honor and, and pride um, and, and passion that goes into to being a good lawyer and, mm-hmm. and helping, you know, there's good work to be done there. Um, but it's, so I, I I don't mean for the things I say to to sound like I'm I'm throwing the whole legal profession under the bus, but uh, the 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 there there is quite a juxtaposition between the uh, between the two. You know, there's a, there is still with Speechworks as with any with any job other than one where you're completely finished at the end of the day. You know, I was a waitress in college, mm-hmm. and I used to fantasize about the days when I would finish a shift and truly be finished. You know, you go home at the end of the day and there's literally nothing left for you to do that lingers until tomorrow. Well, that is, those days are, are long over and it doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Or at least to me at this point, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. My to-do list will never be finished. Um, in other words, I still close at the end of every day when I leave speech works and my to-do list is, you know, there's still things to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. And there's still things to do for the rest of the week, but the uh, the the pressure is is not there. Um, the immediate pressure and the volume of it it, it does it is not a it is not a job that demands 15 hours plus of of my of my day every day, or else, or else, mm-hmm. right, or else consequences of of great magnitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a much more balanced position. But that's also because I have, I have, it's, it's not, I'm not alone, right? I'm, I'm not alone with, with my to-do list and task list. I have, we have wonderful staff. Um, we have wonderful coaches. I have, you know, Jason's a really great business partner. Uh, Amanda is, um, she's our director of operations and she is fabulous. And I'm so grateful for her every day. And, JD is great at client management and, you know, sales and, and managing, you know, problem solving. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we just, we just have such a, just a wonderful team of people working together that it, um, that the, the pressure is very different. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've surrounded by very good people. Yes, very good people. Mm-hmm. People I'm I'm grateful to have in my life. 
So kind of peeling back the curtains a little bit, for those who are listening, what does it look like in terms of working with, with SpeechWorks and kind of going through the training process? Uh, well, so we have a number. So we are a communication skills company, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and we do really try to stay focused on communication skills because we, you know, it could, it's a, it's a soft skill, right? And uh, it has the tendency, you could have the tendency to branch out into other, other areas. But so we have a number of, of programs that we call our, our, our basic programs. So our persuasive speaker is what we call our, our flagship program. That is more of a um, presentation skills training class. So we have a formula. You come in. Um, you know, we, go through, we go through what the formula is. We teach you the formula. We teach you style. We teach you good eye contact. We teach you, you know, methods that you can employ to make um, more meaningful connections with your audience so that you can uh, hopefully be more persuasive, in fact, with what you're trying to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a presentation-style-focused course. So think like board presentations or... I have a presentation um, that I have to make in front of a, a um, you know, my boss next week, or or something of that sort. That you know, presentation base. Mm-hmm. We also have one called the impromptu speaker, and that is also formula based, um, also utilize, utilizing the same concepts of your know, eye contact and various forms of, of style and energy of how to connect with people, but it's more focused on how you communicate in a situation where you have little or no time to prepare. Mm-hmm. How do you organize your thoughts quickly so that you can communicate complicated topics in a way that sounds um, put together? And so you're not, you know, uh, what do we call them? The, the meanderer, you know, where you're meandering all the way mm-hmm. around until you finally get to your point. <laughs> so it's, it's just a way of helping people organize and communicate directly quickly. Mm. Um, both of those programs are customizable. Uh, so almost with every, uh, with almost every one of our clients, um, with all of our corporate clients, we've, we've customized those programs to uh, directly relate to the specific business problems and business needs of the group that we're working with. So if we're working with um, a finance group who's you know going to be talking with external constituents, then we will we will customize our programming so that that's the kind of communication styles that we want to be helping them learn. Mm-hmm. Or if it's um, a group of um, you know in in sales, I mean we don't we don't we don't do sales training per se. But the persuasive speaker program has been incredibly effective in in sales. You know, we had a call last week from uh, a client, an old participant who um, we'll call her Jane mm-hmm. for confidentiality reasons. But she she was a at the time a couple of years ago when she took our persuasive speaker, she was still in the college and university division of a large food and beverage company, and she was given the task of trying to not only um, convert a large West Coast target into using her company's products, but also discontinuing to use the competitors' products. Mm-hmm. And she tried and tried and tried, and she kept getting no thank yous, no thank yous. We're happy. We don't, we're not interested. Door, door in the face, door in the face, door in the face. For quite some time until finally her persistence did pay off and they said, you know what, fine. We're, I guess we're tired of hearing you call me. So we're going to give you 15 minutes, just 15 minutes. But in that 15 minutes, she, well, she, she did, she put in a lot of work. I will not give speech works a hundred percent of the credit there. Uh, she definitely earned all of that herself, but she did employ our methodologies. And, and in that 15 minutes, she, she won, she won that base. Uh, she won the client and that client, you know, that client is now still a loyal company, mm-hmm. a loyal customer of her company, and, and, and Jane now runs her own division. So right. she's not only moved, you know, not only won a, a, a big sale, but she has, over the course of 24 to 18 months, created a, a leadership position for herself, mm-hmm. a meaningful one, decision-making one. 
So. So, so it sounds like the skill set isn't just about quote unquote selling to a large potential client, but really pitching and being able to prepare in a very short time and being on the cover, as you mentioned a little bit on an improv side. As you were discussing that, the first thing that came to mind, picture and correct me if I'm wrong, is the people who are going to go on the show Shark Tank, they should be coming to you before they're getting put, we, put their feet to the fire. On we that. would love that. <laughs> Come our way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, for, so then for the listeners who are understanding the value of public speaking and especially for the introverts uh, that are just absolutely frightful of public speaking, like how you mentioned a little bit in terms of the presentation as kind of the, the starting or elementary level, is that something that they should dip their toe in or do you have some kind of separate program specifically for that group? Uh, you know, we don't have a specific program for beginners. Um, the, you know, be- beginner beginners. Mm-hmm. That said, the persuasive speaker program is a great program for someone who has never taken any uh, communication skills coaching before. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's sort of the basics, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's true. Public speaking is actually the number one fear of, of people. It, 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 it's so far, I think um, I did an article on this not very long ago. I want to say 80%, it might be 70, between 70 and 80% of the population is more terrified of public speaking than they are of spiders of being in confined spaces or even death. There's a, there's a joke we use around the office. It might even be a cliche at this point, hmm. but it's that uh, people would rather be in the box than giving the eulogy. <laughs> wow. Right. Yes. Um, so it's uh, and that fear is real. Hmm. You know, I actually, I have my own personal story. And when, when I was in high school, I, uh, I very unwisely agreed to sing in the high school talent show. Now I can't sing. I never could. And now why I ever agreed to do this is beyond me. I said it was very unwise. And so not only did I unwisely agree to do it, but I unwisely didn't prepare for it. So when I went on stage to sing the song, not only was I not in tune, but I forgot the second verse. And so I sang the first one twice. I did this Uh myself. And, um, I was only a junior then, and I I went to a small school, so I had to endure a good long year and a half of being the butt end of a whole lot of jokes, and it actually was rather traumatizing. I think I I couldn't even sing in the car by myself for almost a decade, and um, and then one day my, my, my best friend was getting married and I was her maid of honor and I had to give a speech and I was just going to have to get over it. And so I, I did. I prepared. I exercised. I sang songs on the way out there as loud as I could. I was sweating. My knees were knocking. I'm sure of it. But I, I ripped off the Band-Aid and that was the beginning. That was the beginning of my recovery from my absolute humiliation and fear of public speaking. And from there, um, you know, in the law, in, in my profession, I had to, I had to show up. I had to pr- make presentations. I had to do sales calls. I had to go and and do all sorts of things. Um, CLE, CLE courses. I've taught several of those. So you know, I mean, and and it, and it got easier and easier. And um, so I find it really interesting now that I actually am a partial owner of a communication skills company and that I'm out every day teaching how to do this now. So mm-hmm. I guess ultimately the point of the story is that if I can do that, if I can not only have the fear of it, but actually a real life traumatizing event from it mm-hmm. and overcome it, anyone can. Mm-hmm. It just takes determination and, and really just deciding that that's what you're going to do. Well, how best to have someone lead a speech works company than someone who've gone through a nightmare scenario <laughs> endured a year and a half of social torture for, for lack of a better Self-created word. nightmare yes. at that. I tell you what, mm-hmm. not my brightest moment in life, but I, uh, I survived it and it made me better off. Mm-hmm. But you <laughs> came around. So, so for those who, who are listening, like what, what would be kind of the tip or advice or perhaps even a technique for them to like, Hey, you know, that, that, that sounds kind of like my story. They're thinking in the back of their head. Okay. Well, well, well how or when, or wh- how do I even start? You know, and you're, uh, 
dealing with nerves. That's one of the that's one of the major questions we get when people come in and we go through our program. Is I am just so nervous. What ha- what do I do? So you know, I get up on stage and I've been practicing, and then my mind goes blank, or um, you can hear my voice quivering. I'm so nervous. You know, things like that. And 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 what that is 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 uh, it is extra unwanted energy. It is energy that you have to get rid of in some way, shape, or form. Mm. And there are lots of techniques for doing it. If you have the time the morning before a presentation to exercise, you know, even if it's not in your regular routine, make time for it that day because it will help. Uh, if you do not have time for that, uh, one thing that I love to do is actually to sing. Uh, I have one of my, oddly enough, right? <laughs> One of my one of my favorite songs is um, for for this purpose is a song called "What's Up" by the Four Non Blondes. I don't know if you're familiar if you remember that from the '90s, but it has just it's just you have to close the windows up so no one else can hear you, right? But if you just turn it all the way up and you have a chance to just really let it belt, you can get rid of a lot of nervous energy by just singing something as loud as you can possibly sing it. You mm-hmm. know. Scream it almost, let it out, let, just get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, there are also some tension exercises that you can do for those that can't see me. You know, I'm, I'm pushing my hands together and in front of me and creating tension in my arms so that I am having a, a release of, of energy that way. Mm-hmm. Or uh, you can do pushing push-ups or jumping jacks in the bathroom Um Amy Cuddy, I don't know if you know who she is, but she has a wonderful TED Talk on um, how body language can, I can't remember what it's called, but it's on body language. And she talks in that TED Talk about power poses and the mental impact that those can have. So again, for those who can't see me, um, what she talks about is, you know, uh, two minutes. If you spend two minutes with your your hands up in the air, um, like a... Uh, like a superhero or, um, or on your wrist, you know, it's sitting in, in powerful poses, you know, even putting your feet up, excuse me, putting your, your feet up on the table and, and acting like you, like you're the CEO and you own that table. It's a, it's a, it's a powerful position. So if you, you sit, you put your physical body mm-hmm. in a powerful position for two minutes or so, it will have a, an impact on, on your frame of mind. Um, and if you employ one, two, as many of those tactics as, as you can before you go on, uh, it will have an impact. Might not cure you. Mm-hmm. Practice, 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 practice. But it, it, it will nonetheless have an impact and be helpful. Well, as you're kind of outlining some of these techniques, uh, it makes me think back to some of the TED speakers or those motivational speakers that are hopping and jumping and running around on stage. That's for them more so than an audience, it sounds like. Sure. Mm. Sure it is. It's, uh, yeah, I agree. Mm. I did not know about that being a a technique. It's like, huh, okay, maybe they are introverted themselves, and that's really their way of, as you would say, releasing additional extra energy they have. Yeah, I would agree. Um, There's also, you know, meditation, if you're into that. You know, quieting the brain, you know, the, it's the, the inner critic and, and what do you do about the voice in your head that's telling you you're about to fail? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, learning how to quiet that voice is, that's another technique that, that people can try. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there's just so much going on, uh, in terms of helping your clients kind of either overcoming their fear of public speaking or mastering the skills or having a formula to follow, uh, in kind of an improv presentation. Um, out of all of this, and then maybe we haven't even touched on everything else, like what is kind of your, your favorite part of being a coach and walking someone through this? Actually, they, um, what I enjoy most about all of this is actually, it's not only working with the people, um, but it's, uh, you know, our clients come in in the mornings and they have various goals and almost all of them, you know, some, some are excited to be there. Many are not. Right. Mm. For one reason or another. Um, but, you know, we have a we approach communication skills coaching in, in a very different way than some of our competitors do. You know, we think that this should be fun. 
if you're going to be in here dealing and tackling something that is, um, you know, this personally conflicting, mm. then we should make this as, as fun as we can possibly make it for you. So it is not a miserable day, mm. right? So at the beginning of the day, we, we go over the formula, we pay some games, we do a lot of on-camera stuff. The on-camera stuff seems like it might make people uncomfortable. But everyone's like, you know, that's not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. And, you know, by the end of the day, after we've gone through all of our exercises and our various, we use, we use video, so they can see, that's the best learning tool, right? You get to see yourself and see what you're doing, and that's how you make corrections. So by the end of the day, when we compare the baseline, so the very first one they did in the morning mm-hmm. with the, one, the last one they did in the afternoon, and they can actually see how much better they are at, at presenting the material that we have for the day, it's, it's transformative, right? So not only have we helped them become better at the actual presentation skills, but, you know, their, their heads are a little higher and their backs are a little straighter. And, and although our focus is on business presentations, it's uh, the skills and the confidence inevitably transfers to other areas. So, uh, you know, I'd argue that it's helpful in other areas of, of their lives as well. It almost sounds like, so if I'm understanding correctly, is that in the beginning of the process, there's kind of a before. Yes. And then at the very tail end, they get to see an after. And in terms of the, the, the picture in my mind is kind of sign of someone going through a, say, health or wellness or dieting. This most visual will be a before and after picture. Sure. Whatever kind of very cut, for lack of a better word, at the very yeah, tail end. Yeah, it's tangible. You and can tangible. see it. You can see it right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a tangible, meaningful change mm-hmm. every single time. I remember mine. I had one. My first video was horrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, can you share with us a little, what your story as you're kind of going through your, the process yourself? What do you mean? Uh, well, what, what was the most notable change? Uh, when you observe looking at your after. Oh, it's so funny. Um, my face. I had, uh, after 15 years of lawyering, I had developed such a serious face. Oh. I had, I was, and I wasn't even aware of it. I mm. had zero self-awareness of this. <laughs> I had just, you know, when I, when I was listening to someone and concentrating on what they were saying, I would have this, this scowl and in this giant wrinkle between my eyebrows and it was like just this I can't even I can't even do it anymore because I made it I was like I have to get rid of that face mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I and I did so no more scowling but that was uh that was the most notable noticeable I was like that's how I look that might uh that would that that makes me look un, unfriendly, uninviting, yeah. un, um, on a lot of things that I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was going to lead to my other question was that with the speech training uh, program presentation, this was all pre-COVID, but now I imagine with a lot of people having more, I guess, Zoom or Skype or um, Microsoft Office meetings. Mm-hmm. Are those skills, uh, would was there a necessary update in terms of the training program or is it the, the skill set? still very much applicable, whether it's in-person or, or video conferencing? Uh, both. So absolutely still applicable. But uh, but yes, there was some pivoting. So prior to COVID, we were completely in-person, mm-hmm. right? And then COVID happened and all in-person shut down and we had to pivot mm-hmm. to doing all of this virtually. And as did everyone. And actually the virtual world is not going anywhere. And um, so uh, what what was somewhat an unfortunate turn of events with with seeming to having to convert to virtual ended up being a, a brand new business opportunity for us. So that's that we're, we're now doing international stuff oh. um, as well. And so I guess to, to, to answer your question though, the uh, it's, it's just a, a, a um, the way you make eye contact in person is different than the way you make eye contact over the computer, but you can still make very good eye contact over the computer. You just got to look at this camera right here instead of the person's face on the screen. If you find that you're looking at the person's face on the screen, then you're not making eye contact with them 
and your connection with that person on the other side of the computer screen is not as strong. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that's a, for me, it doesn't feel as natural because I'm not looking at the person directly that I am to whom I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not about me. It's about the person on the other side of that computer screen and whether or not they feel a connection with me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we would talk about eye contact in, in that way. So we would you know, redirect, we, we'd tweak our, our, our discussion on what is good eye contact to address the fact that we're all essentially news anchors now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, and, and, and how to, how to connect with your audience as a news anchor, as opposed to being in, being mm. in person. Well, then kind of fast forwarding, if one could use a crystal ball, as you alluded to, that kind of this remote or, or uh, teleconferencing work is not exactly going away, even it's going to be staying with us mm-hmm. um, going forward. Do you think it will be an even more important skill set for new employees to learn or even existing employees to be having some program like this to be weaved into their, I guess, corporate training? Um. I mean, the short answer is yes, mm-hmm. but I, I think the at, at the end of the day, uh, communication skills training in and itself, regardless of the medium over which it's happening, is critical um, in the in the world we live today. The uh, th- there's more and more hype about the difference in hard skills and soft skills. Mm-hmm. We're st- I'm starting to hear the discussion about that uh, more and more, which is a good thing. Um, but the the reality is, so hard skills will get you a job. Mm-hmm. But soft skills get you promotions. If you do not have the ability to communicate effectively, then there is very limited opportunity to you know, to move up in, in any in any career. Then you've got you've got lateral opportunities potentially, um, but then you'll be limited there by the inability to communicate effectively. I mean, soft skills are are incredibly important if you are interested in um, in moving up. Mm-hmm. So whether that be in an in-person context or or over uh, a digital medium, mm-hmm. uh, investing in in communication skills and how to how to communicate and connect. Really, it's really it's it's not only communication; it's connection, right? And uh, so it's communicating speaking and listening and actually learning how to engage in a conversation with somebody mm. that is that's the skill that we really want to master yes well you shared several stories uh one from uh, i think we kind of changed her name of course of confidentially where she won that big contract mm. out in the west and then you should kind of share uh your personal story from having that scowl on <laughs> your face like, oh you just noticed it and having that change at the very tail end um what other stories uh, could you share where someone came in with just kind of, you mentioned a little that, eh, I don't want to be here and then find out at the very tail end of the whole class with experience, like, oh, this is something even better than I had even imagined. You know, oddly enough, we actually have that kind of experience often. Um, a few weeks ago, I we had an in-person uh, program with a construction company up north and they had brought in people from all over the southeast. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually know where this gentleman was that I w- that I was working with, but he was absolutely terrified of public speaking. Terrified of it. He was sweating, bless his heart. He was, you know, he just didn't want to be there. And in fact, at the end, uh, at the end of the day, he confessed that he had almost called in sick. Oh wow! That he was so uninterested in being there that he almost ditched it mm-hmm. but um but he had only been at the company about four months and he used his better judgment and decided to show up and uh and at the end he gave me a hug wow you know his uh his performance from from the the baseline the first one until the end was just like night and day it was it was remarkable uh-huh. he, how much more confidence he had and um, his hand gesture, you know, ready to use his hands and to you know believe in his own message and um, to be really convincing about it. It was it was really truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. And, and that it's, it's it's really not an un. I mean, every one of those experiences is is special and 
and memorable, but and but we, we have those somewhat often. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I really feel lucky that this is the kind of work I get to do. That that's the kind of impact that we potentially can have on a person on any given day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying everybody walks out with you know this this experience. It's not you know. We don't, we don't have any magic sauce, but, but <laughs> in that regard, a- we have some secret sauce, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a relatively common experience. It's, I mean, it's enough of a secret sauce to, to help them experience, I guess, a come to Jesus moment for, for a better word or, or kind of experience uh, yeah, a halo effect. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I like that. That's a great, that's a. That's a great analogy. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Right. So for our listeners are, or, or, or that are tuning in and they're listening to all these great story, stories, whether it's for themselves that are just rather be in a box than, than giving an eulogy or they know someone that has all of the, as you would say, hard skills, mm-hmm. but their soft skills is either lacking or just simply non-existent and maybe like similar to that gentleman, just absolutely frightful. How can they best reach out to you and find you and kind of experience that halo effect for themselves? Oh, oh well, uh, in a in a couple of ways, uh, you can look us up on our website, which is www.speechworks.net. That's s p e e c h w o r i o r k s dot net, or you can give us a call at four zero four two six six zero eight eight eight, or uh, you can look us up on Facebook or LinkedIn, or you can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm rather active these days, posting quite a number of uh, articles on LinkedIn relating to, um, you know, communications based based comment or uh, you know communications based content. Uh, another thing that people can do who are maybe not ready to jump off the 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 bridge of of actually joining a program is that we actually have a lot of re- free resources on our website. If you go under the tab for resources and you look down, we've got about, oh, I want to say 30, 30 free webinars that you can listen to on on any, I mean, we, we've really broken down a lot of the things that we work on one-on-one in our workshops, but you can watch them in a webinar just to see if this is something that you actually want coaching on. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you can take away enough from the webinars that you don't necessarily need the coaching, but, mm-hmm. but we offer quite a, quite a bit of free resources. Well, thank you. Able to check out. Certainly, certainly. Well, uh, this is kind of the legal lease uh, portion uh, of the show, but one big question that actually comes to mind, kind of merging both uh, your experience going from the lawyer world into having your own business, going back to corporate, and then now back into your own business. You you gone through that whole adventure and roller coaster. I have, so haven't I? It's kind of a- <laughs> one major elephant question in the room is for our listeners that are tuning in because this show is all about family businesses mm-hmm. and really finding that balance and not having to be put in a position of kind of as you very open sharing your personal story of who do I hold my 100% allegiance to whether it's to my work, my field and career and profession or family. Like, as you mentioned, I'm going to be missing meals. I'm going to be missing bath time and all that. What is that one big, let's say either one, two or three advice that you would like to share with our audience to be able to help them make that decision of either going one path or the other. So you don't, you don't have to answer that right now. We're going to give you some time to think about that. So kind of the legalist portion of the show here is, uh, well, this, this show is sponsored and brought to you, yours truly, Anthony Chen with Lighthouse Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA, member FINRA SIPC, RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services referenced here are independent of RAA. The main office address is at 575 Broad Hollow Road out in Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at 631-465-9090, extension 5075, or uh, my email, which is really just my full name, Anthony Chen, C-H-E. E-N at com, And back to you, Lauren. That one big advice for that listener that's just on that fence. Gosh, that's a, that's a pretty giant question. Mm. 
Could have spent the whole hour talking about that. Um, you know, it's, it's such a personal matter for everyone, and uh, everyone's circumstances are different, and in resources, right? And, mm-hmm. and some people find themselves in positions where they're not as, as easily able to make, or it doesn't seem like it. I'm going to say that it doesn't seem like it's quite as easy to make, to make a change. Um, but the reality is, I guess first is what kind of life do you want? You know, when you're, when you're thinking about, you know, be very clear about your priorities and commit to them. And, and then the second one is, is, uh, don't be afraid of change and, uh, change can be very scary. I understand that human beings do not like change and they're scared of change, but uh, change happens every day, whether we want it to or not. And we can either direct the change or we can let the, or we can let things happen to us. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, if you commit to, you make your priorities, you commit to them and you're not afraid of change because you know that you have the ability to adapt mm-hmm then where there's a will, there's a way. And you can make your life align with your priorities. Great. Thank you so much for sharing. I imagine uh, you are not missing those dinners. I'm not missing any dinners anymore. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lauren. Thank you for having me. So on this section of Anthony Chen financial uh, advisory side portion of the show, we talked a lot uh, about being able to set priorities. And on this episode, we talked a lot about having to choose between family and career. And when I have a conversation with clients, it's not always about just at the end of the day, the dollars and cents. I kind of preach a lot about quality of life. Sometimes when working with clients, my big question to them is, how do you want your quality of life to be like? What, what is your ideal quality of life in terms of being able to spend time with family? We can certainly always look at contributing X dollars toward portfolio or insurance. But at the end of the day, is that really hold greater value than being able to spend time in terms of dinner or bath time with your kids? So when talking about financial planning, again, it's not always just about the portfolio size or what kind of insurance are in place, but it's really about what do those dollars and cents mean and what does it really buy you in terms of time and experience with the people that you care about and the people that you love. So if you've got questions and really wanting a, a second opinion with an advisor that understands that big picture, um, got my contact information on Anthony Chen, Lighthouse Financial. Thank you for listening in.